You are listening to Message Rewind from Discovery Church. We are in the last week of our series, Acts of the Apostles. And so if you are just now joining us, we went through Acts chapter 1, and we're going to end up in Acts chapter 9 today. And we did that over a span of five, six weeks. And so uh, next week we're kicking off a series, Summer Road Trip. And we're just going to go through the values of the house and, and the things that we, that we see as important and as, as, as crucial to who we are as a church. And so, um, so yeah, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 9, and we're going to start at verse 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 9 says this. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, the way being Jesus, he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in change. We're going to, uh, we'll break that down in a little bit more of chapter 9 as we get forward, as we go forward. But I just want to pray one more time and then we'll jump in. Father, I thank you for today. God, I thank you um, at, for, for the, um, just remembering, God, those that have given their life for us, for their freedom. Because it kind of reminds us of you, Jesus. You did the exact same thing. And so we thank you that you did that for us. Father, I pray that you would just be in the remaining time of our of our experience together god that you would just allow us to hear what we need to hear god we want to leave here changed we want to leave here different god not for our own benefit but so that we can change the world around us god we love you so much in jesus name come on everyone said amen amen hey how many of you guys like to host like have people over Okay, okay, outside of, outside of COVID, <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> everyone's like, is this a trick question? <laughs> like, uh, um, like, I love, there, there's something about having people over, I love hosting people, I love, I love, like, cooking for people, you know who doesn't like it? It's my family, <laughs> like, like, my wife doesn't like it my kids don't like it and here's why is because when I when I know people are coming over I get a little crazy okay I get a little like we got to get things perfect right now and and come on guys don't blame my mom like this is this is me this is not something that is passed down from generation to generation um for those of you that know my mom like you, you know what's up and and so <laughs> We talking back this morning. Come on, and uh, and and so like there like I got this thing like when I know people are coming over, man. I'm like that story of Mary and Martha, right? Like I'm like Mary, and I'm like we gotta get things or Martha, Martha. I'm like Martha, like we gotta get things done. We gotta clean the house. I'm like vacuum, kids. They're like they vacuum. I'm like you didn't vacuum, Dad. We did vacuum. I see stuff on the carpet. Keep vacuuming. And they're like no. Like, it's just, it's horrible, okay? It's horrible. My wife, as I'm cooking in the kitchen, or, or before I start cooking, my wife's like, baby, you want me to help you uh, cook? And I'm like, no, it's okay. Just just make sure the house is, is nice and in order. And she's like, okay. And she goes, and then when I start cooking, then I start stressing out a bit. And I'm like, babe, why aren't you helping me? 
She's like, you told me not to. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening. And, uh, and like, it's just like, the, I'm like this crazy, insane psychopath until I hear a, I'm like, yeah, okay. Hi, come on in. Is that just me? Does anyone else do that? Is anyone else like, just like, <laughs> Paul, maybe, yeah, maybe it's a pastor thing. I don't know. <laughs> and um, just John. Man, we're praying. We're ending right now. Father, I thank you. Oh, Lord. And so, like, I invite them in, and they're like, they come in, and they're like, oh, this is just, it's just such a great vibe in here. Come on, Sonoma County. Y'all got some vibe, people. They're like, it's just a great aura. <laughs> like, like, okay, cool. <laughs> and so uh, they come in, and, and they're like, the house is so clean. I'm like, I know. We sit down at the table. We begin eating. And they're like, oh, the food is, is the best thing I've ever tasted. They've never said that. But, like, it's my story. Shut up. And, and, so, and so, so they're, they're, um, they're eating. And they're like, this is such a lovely meal. And I was thinking about that. And it's amazing how they, all they know about is the finished product. But they didn't see the process that it took, come on, Richard, that it, that it took to get to the finished product. And I think what's dangerous is if we become all about the final product, but we don't worry about the process, because sometimes we like, we, we'll, we'll forget, we'll neglect the process, and then we just try to pretend like we're the finished product. This is not even my notes. I need to stop. I need to stop. And, and, and so, so there, there's, a, there's the process, and then there's the finished product. And here's why I'm, I'm bringing this up. Because in Acts chapter 9, we're, we're introduced to a man named Saul, who eventually becomes Paul. And I think for most of us, like, we get wrapped up in this Paul dude. We're like, oh, Paul, he, he was a missionary, he was an author, he, like, he was a, a disciple, he was a, he was a church planner, and like, like this resume of, of beautiful things, like, oh, Paul, oh. And I get it, Paul's important. But I actually think Acts chapter 9 is not about the person of Paul, but it's about the process of Paul, Saul becoming Paul. And I think if we're not careful, we celebrate the person of Paul and not the process of becoming Paul. And so what I want us to do in Acts chapter 9 is I want to look at the process that Saul went through to become Paul. Because I actually think it's very beneficial to me and to you as well. So we're going to uh, continue in Acts chapter 9. 1 through 17 uh, is going to be our verses for today. And as I mentioned, like we're going to look at this process that, that, that Paul goes through. And a couple things about this process is that this process that we're about to look at in Acts chapter 9, it's something that God desires every single person to go through. If you are sucking up oxygen on planet Earth, or Mother Earth, right? Come on, Sonoma County. Um, I'm just joking. Uh, 
And, focus, John. Um, and so, like, what was I saying? Before Mother's Earth. Come on, guys. That's all you heard, Mother Earth. Yes, the process. There's two things of process that, that's, that, that, that we're going to see. The first process is this. Something that God, this is the process that God desires for every single person. Right? First Timothy uh, 2, verse 4. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. All men and women. Like, he desires this, this process to take place in every single person. And the other thing about this process that we're going to read is that God doesn't just desire us to walk through it. But he also desires us to play a part in bringing people through it. And we're going to see that too. And so, um, so in our remaining time together, I want to give you three components that are seen in the process of Saul becoming Paul. And so Acts chapter 9, we're going to start at verse 3. Here we go. As, we, as he was approaching Damascus, he being Saul, um, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Verse 8. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So what we have here, last week we talked about a guy named Stephen. And if you recall, Stephen, they killed Stephen. They threw stones at Stephen. Stephen died. And then uh, the church heard about the death of Stephen, and they just freaked out. And so they, they left Jerusalem, and they began to scatter everywhere. Paul, excuse me, Saul hears about this, and he goes and gets permission. Hey, can I go after those people that have left Jerusalem? And that's what we just read here. And they said yes. And so here's Saul. He's, he's headed to Damascus. He's about to, to arrest all the men and women and children that fled. And on his way to Damascus, a bright light shone, uh, like popped. And, and all of a sudden, man, he fell to his knees. And in this moment, like he on this road to Damascus, here he is, he's on his knees, and all of a sudden he hears the audio, aud audio, the audible voice of God, Saul, 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 Saul. Why, why, why are you persecuting, cuting, cuting me? Could you imagine that? Driving down the highway, all of a sudden, a bright light, a loud voice. It's crazy. And so here, here is Saul. He has, he has um, this, this experience. And here's number one. The first component that God desires every person to experience is this. A divine encounter. A divine encounter. Saul had this divine encounter with Jesus. Like, God desires every single person to have an encounter with him that would hopefully lead to a relationship with him. And so this was the encounter. This was like the boo. Ah! This is what just 
took place right here. And uh, here's what I want us to, to understand about encounters is that the, the encounter that Saul had, it wasn't just a divine encounter, but it was an unexpected encounter. Like he wasn't expecting it. Like Paul was, Saul wasn't riding down the road expecting, all right, Jesus, I know you're going to pop up soon. Where are you at? I'm ready for you. I'm expecting you. No. These, sometimes God encounters people when they're not even expecting it. Sometimes people, like, and maybe that's your story too. You weren't even expecting anything. Your friend was just like, hey, come to church. I'll buy you lunch. You're like, okay. And you come here. You weren't expecting, you were just here for the free Applebee's. And all of a sudden, man, light. All of a sudden, like, oh, why am I crying? <laughs> Should have wore my water-free mascara. My wife tells me about that. Or, or tear-free. What is it called, baby? Waterproof. See? See, that just shows I don't wear it. So, um, <laughs> like, sometimes God wants to encounter people when, when they're not expecting it. Because when I'm not expecting it, my guard's down. Sometimes I need my guard to be down. So that there's nothing blocking in my way from God getting to me. Now, listen, I know, theologically, God can get to you any way he wants to. I heard my professor once say, though, God's a gentleman. He don't push himself on you. Like, he, he, he's, like he's like, hey, I'm here when you're ready. If your wall's up. But he got unexpected, man. Like, he, Paul's riding down this road unexpected, and all of a sudden, poof, he shows up. So it seemed unexpected to Paul, to Saul. When I say Saul or Paul, they're the same person. Just I don't want you guys to be like, wait, there's two people? It's one person. So I'm going to try to say the correct person. But if I do, just there you go, cliff notes. So Saul is, uh, he, so, so it's, this was unexpected to Saul. But do you know who it wasn't unexpected for to? Jesus. Jesus wasn't surprised. Jesus wasn't like just in heaven bored and like, hmm, let's go scare this guy. Blah, right? Like, no, like Jesus, like he knew. He was like, man, this is the best time, the best moment for me to get through to this man named Saul. And I want to encourage you this morning, like you may not be, expecting an encounter from Jesus, but he knows the best opportunity for when you're ready to experience it. And that's why, that's why, like, I meet people all the time that are like, they, they, they've come to church and like, oh man, I just, I wish, I wish I like found Jesus a long time ago. Oh, I wasted so many years. And I always say this, I always say this, like, hey, don't worry about it. You weren't ready yet. You weren't ready. It's God, like, he draws us to him. Like, you may, be, you may not have been ready then. You may not even be ready now. And you might not know, but Jesus knows. He knows when he's ready to encounter you. 
He, because until then, like, we just go through the motions. Isn't that true? Like, we just, like, we're like, we're like, we, we're like forcing our way. Fake it till you make it, which I believe in on certain things. You just fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it. But, like, until, like, you, Jesus really captures your heart. A divine encounter. So the first process that we see is a divine encounter. And this, this is all God, right? So this is not your role. This is not my role. This is God's. Like, we can't do anything about this first component in the process of Saul down the road to Damascus. But don't fret. These next two are all about you and me. So we have a part to play in this. So verse 8 said, Saul picked himself picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Okay, so here it is. He's riding down the road or walking down the road. Jesus shows up. He freaks out, and he, like, he, he's blind now. He can't see a thing. And uh, what's interesting is that uh, the scripture says that the people that were with him, his companions, like they could hear, but they couldn't see anything. And so all they heard was this, like this voice. Imagine you're hanging out with your boy. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like, Vanessa. <laughs> you're like, ah, oh. <laughs> like, scary. Was that too much? That, I should have said that for the youth. I'm sorry, guys. That was too much. That was too much. <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. Like, but but he, imagine, just like that audible voice just coming out of nowhere. How scary that is. And here's the second, the second component to, to the process. So we, we don't just, we just can't have a divine encounter. We also got to have the correct companions. That's number two. The correct companions. See, the people with Saul, when they heard the voice, everything inside of them should have been like, bye, peace, I'm out of here. This is weird. I'm leaving. I'm going. But what we see in Scripture is that they helped Saul get to the place where God was telling him to go. And so what... what What's very just like intriguing to me and the question that I was asking myself when I, when I was reading this is like the people that I'm hanging out with, the people that I surround myself with, they're either pushing me towards Damascus where God's called me to or they're pulling me away. And if I don't have the right people around me, I'm going to be drawn the wrong way further and further from where God's called me to be. And, and, and so this, this, this number two, the correct companions, what I want you to get is that they, all, they played a part in Paul's process, Saul's process. They played an important part. Because if it wasn't for them, Saul would have been like, I know, I know. See, 
I just proved my point. You need people around you to help guide you, to help lead you. And so, so here, here's Saul, like without his companions, he would have never made it to the place with meeting, uh, this is spoiler alert, he meets a guy named Ananias. Like he would have never met this guy Ananias if it wasn't for the companions. And here's the interesting thing about the companions. They're not the ones that led Paul to Jesus. They're not the ones that baptized him. They were just part of the process. And I think that's very encouraging because there's sometimes when, when we're like, man, I'm going to talk to this person about Jesus. Woo! And we're like, yeah. Hey, so, uh, and then we just start talking about Jesus. And they're like, weird, man. Get away. And if we're not careful, we leave and we feel dejected. We feel like, well, we feel like we failed. But guess what? We may not have been the Ananias. We might have just been in the role of the companion. See, the role of the companion is just all about watering. I don't always have to be the reaper. Sometimes God just called me to do a little bit of watering. So, like sometimes, and, and we've all had people in this, whether or not we, we know it or not. We've all had mothers in our lives that were praying for us at some point in our life. They may have never seen the benefit, man, but they, they've been praying every night, God, I pray for my son, I pray for my daughter. Come on, those wives or husbands that have been praying for their spouse for years and years and years and years, they may never become the Ananias, but what they are doing is a companion. They're praying. They're praying. And, and I think the reason why the companion is so important, again, is because... If we think that we're always the one that, ha that, that gets to be the reaper, and when it doesn't come to pass, the fear of failure sinks in our hearts. And then guess what? Next time I feel like I want to talk to somebody, I'm going to be like, man, I kind of got rejected last time. I don't know. And then maybe we do it again, but then we're rejected again. Hey, will you come to church? Like, it's going to be cool. We'd love for you to come to church. I'm not going to church. You're crazy. It's COVID season. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for that. Am I going to get? I'm probably going to get in trouble. God, I just got to focus. Um, and, and, and so, like, I, no, I'm not coming to church with you. That's all right. Listen, I am giving you the permission to get up, dust yourself off, and be like, yo, let's try this again. Like, I'm giving you permission to be okay to fail. Because you're not failing, you're just watering. You're just watering. You're just watering. The process, process, God, a divine encounter. God prepares the hearts. The companions, they begin to water. They lead Saul. They lead him. And then here we get to verse, verse 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. I love this part. There was a believer in Damascus. See, this is when everyone who's ever identified as a Jesus follower 
where you lean in. Because the text is talking about you. It's talking about me. It says this, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying for me right now. I have shown him a vision. I just want to encourage you that God's already doing all the hard work. He's like, he's talking to me right now. I'm just filling you in on what he already knows. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on some so he can see again. Divine encounter, the correct companions. Here's number three of the process. Obedience from the, from the Ananias. From Ananias. This is amazing. A believer in Damascus. He was prepping him. He was prepping him. And I, what, I, what I want us to see is that Ananias, like here's Saul, like Luke the author, he's writing about Saul, and then all of a sudden the camera cuts, and it like whoosh, pans over to, to Ananias. Ananias is just chilling on his lazy boy, just watching TV, hanging out, doing his thing, minding his own business, and all of a sudden God's like, Ananias. Sometimes God calls you when it seems inconvenient. But what I love about Ananias, what we see is his obedience, his ability to listen, to hear God's voice. I, I got to learn, you got to learn to begin to just incline your ear just a little bit to hearing God's voice. Most of the time it's, it's right here. When he's like, hey, go buy that person lunch. What? What am I going to eat then? No. But can I tell you, every time you say yes, I feel like God's voice gets louder. Every time that you become, every, every, every time like you're like, okay, Lord. Like he's like, oh, I can trust this guy. I can trust this guy with more. And so here is Ananias. And we can get keys up because this is my last point, but it could be a long point. We don't know. <laughs> it could be one of those long labors, right? Um. And, and so here, here he is. He's, he's like Ananias, just chilling on his lazy boy, minding his own business. And, and God's like, Ananias. He's like, yeah? And then God says this, Jesus says this. He says, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus. So he heard... But he also had to choose if he was going to be obedient. If there are two things that I could ever impart to you, what are, John, like, what are the two most important things for me as a Christian, as a believer, as a Jesus follower? Two things. That's my opinion. To be able to listen and to be obedient to what God had told you. If you could learn to listen and learn to be obedient, my God, 
And so here's Ananias. He's like, okay, Lord. And then I love this, I love this. Because this, I love when the people in the scripture are like, are very human. Because it makes me feel good. Right? Like it makes me feel like, okay, cool. So this, this humanizes Ananias just a bit to where I can relate. He says this, but the Lord said, or excuse me, no, no, verse 13, but Lord, but Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about this terrible thing this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Ananias, yes, Lord. I want you to go find Saul. Wait, Saul? Like the one who, who is like persecuting Christians, people like me? You want me to talk to, come on, God. Can you guys relate to that? Wait, God, you want me to go over there to talk to a complete stranger? Ah, oh, no way, this is devil I rebuke you and the name <laughs> like we either blame the devil or the, what we ate right the night before I shouldn't have ate that pizza he said but Lord I can't do that I'm not gonna do no way But God rebutted, rebuttal. Ananias, but Lord, but then verse 15, it says, but the Lord. But the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my, me to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as the people of Israel. This is important. Because what it shows is God's trust in you and in me. Ananias is like, no, I can't do that. And God's like, you don't understand. I have such a big calling for him. I'm going to use him so great. I need you, Ananias. Like he entrusted Ananias with what we know as Paul. He was in trust, verse 17. So Ananias went and found Saul. He was obedient. Watch this. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you may regain your sight. Watch this. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. In this moment, Ananias filled a physical need, but also a spiritual need. I have learned that for people who, who don't know Jesus yet, my physical action speaks way louder than any spiritual action I could ever have. And so Ananias said, 
I'm here to help you receive your sight. But then I got so much more for you too. See, Ananias was doing something that God did not want to do on his own. Ananias was doing something that the companions weren't called to do. Ananias was doing something that only Ananias could do. And it said that he prayed for him. Verse 18. Instantly, my God, instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. Instantly, scales fell from his eyes. Then he was baptized. Guys, this is a process that God wants all of us to go through, but he also wants us to be part of this process for someone else. Like what would the church look like if we all realize we have a part to play in this life? Like God entrusted me, entrusted you by saying, hey, that person over there, I got a calling for his life. That person that you keep ignoring over there, my God, you don't understand. Like he's, like I have such a big plan for him. It's not so much about the Paul as it is the process of becoming Paul. You got a process, I got a process. That God would lead me and shape me and mold me into what he desires for me. Come on, we, we don't just need more Pauls in the world. We need some Ananiases. If you were to ask me, I think the hero of this chapter someone that we don't give enough credit to is Ananias. Without Ananias, there would be no Paul. Without Paul, there would be no missionary trips. Without Paul, there would be no New Testament. There would be no Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Romans. Come on, we love Paul, man, but I am so grateful for Ananias. I am so grateful that Ananias was willing to say, yes, Lord, I don't want to, but I will. I'm so grateful for the companions that were with Saul that were like, hey, we should take you home, but we're just going to go this way. Man, what would it look like if we were Ananias in people's lives, if we were the companions in people's lives? I want to encourage you. Like we don't know what God has in store for every single person. And it's not really our job to decide. 
It's our job to water, and it's our job to lead. Thank you for listening to Message Rewind. Come back every Monday night at 5 p.m. to hear the latest message from Discovery Church.